Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 8.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Several times while I was in Cincinnati for the National Youth Workers Conference, we were supposed to engage in worship. I mean, it was on my schedule, worship. And yet there were countless times that there was no scripture. And so it made me reflect on just how important our worship is, that it is grounded, it is founded in the scripture. And there is nothing that you have heard or seen this day that has not come first from God's Word. And that is why it is my pleasure, and with great anticipation, I have looked forward to reading to you from the Gospel account of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. The word of God for the people of God. God. Amen. As we have clearly shifted into a new season in the church, we are welcoming this season with a worship series that we think embodies unity and a bright future. It is the pinnacle of what it means to be the body of Christ. It's a time when we are preparing ourselves, our homes, our church, for the time when we remember that love came down. This is the season of Advent, unless we think that Advent is only the four Sundays before Christmas. Advent is part of the yearly anticipation of Christ's people for his triumphant return, not just his birth, but when he shall come again, full of truth and glory. And so it is that we are doing this small Advent to get ready for the big Advent. And as we are getting there, we thought it was most fitting to do something that is the core of Scripture, that is the pinnacle of what it means to be part of the body of Christ to focus on our love. We all need it. 
We all want it in some shape or form. We might be picky about whom we want it from, but we want love. And we want to love those who mean so much to us. And Advent and Christmas remind us that God put love first, above all things, above justice, above reconciliation and retribution, God decided to give us love. And as we journey toward Christmas, I hope that you are reorienting yourself, that you are moving away from simply getting ready to open gifts or gather at a common table with your family and your friends, but instead changing how you think about your life so that God can do something incredible with our life together. So, of course, our altar is prepped, and Andrea has done a fabulous job getting our altar ready for the coming of Jesus. I especially appreciate that he's not here yet. I have a lot of nativities in my home. I don't know, there's something about pastors. We collect Bibles and nativities. And there's one in almost every room. And on Friday, after I woke up from my tryptophan coma, I set about prepping my nativities. And they're all ready, although my wise men are off on the opposite side of the room. They have to make their way. And every manger is empty. Every single one. I take all the baby G's eye, and I put them in a basket. And the job of my seven-year-old son is to wake up on Christmas morning and control himself until he's put every baby in the manger. There are a lot of babies to be put in mangers. And so about a couple years ago, as he took the basket and he sat down with it, he looked in and he said, none of these Jesus look the same. And I said, no, they don't. I said, all of our nativities are a little different. They're not all the same. Some of them are from South America. Some of them are from Africa. Some of them are from Europe. They're from all over the world, and all of them look a little different, and all of the Jesus look a little different too. And sometimes he has trouble getting the right Jesus with the right nativity, but we grant him some grace, and we work on that. And ultimately, the lesson is that for all of us, God has come in the proper form. All of our homes, our lives, are different nativity settings. They are individualized. They are unique to a certain extent. And yet, one Savior unites them all. So what is it? What makes Christmas so special? Why do we care that much? Because honestly, out of the four gospel accounts in the scripture, only two care about the birth. 50%. That's not even passing. So why do we place such an emphasis on it? Who cares that much? We do. Because we are human. And we were born. And it means something to us to know that our God came to this earth as one of us. Still all God, and yet somehow all human too. There are very few religions that carry that kind of narrative, where a deity would humble themselves in order to take a human form and to be truly human as you and I are. Now, the Old Testament tells us that the people, the Israelites, they were used to God the Father being around. 
After all, starting in Exodus, when the people were commanded to build the tabernacle, that portable tent of worship, God would descend upon it and the cloud would fill the tabernacle. And everybody in in the Israelite community would know that the presence of God was in the tabernacle. And once they entered into the promised land and built the temple, the same thing happened. The cloud descended upon it and the fullness of God's presence could be felt. And it was terrifying. Cloud, thunder, lightning. These were the same people that had witnessed God go before them in the Exodus and a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. And God the Father's presence was a little bit unnerving. It's good, yes, and it should be comforting, and yet it's a little scary because those purity laws ensure that unclean doesn't touch holy and zap. But Scripture records times when it did. You know, it's like living near a nuclear power plant. Your energy's cheap, but it's kind of scary. And so God the Father had been in the midst of Israel. They built the community around the temple. When they were moving as they wandered in the wilderness, they would pin down the temple, the tabernacle, and then set up their tents around it. God was at the center of their daily lives. And they were used to it, even if it was a little unsettling. And then suddenly God decided to do something new. That the person of the Trinity we know is God the Son, in the fullness of time, was born in the babe of Bethlehem. And radically changed how we understand that God is with us, Emmanuel. For the first time, God was in flesh. For the first time, people could touch God. People could encounter the sadness in God's eyes. They could see the joy on his face when he saw the children. They could feel his healing touch. For the first time, God was tangible and touchable and profoundly close. And we need that. We need to know that God is with us. We need to know that God understands what it's like to be hungry, to be sick, to encounter people who are suffering and in pain, to be empathetic in a way that comes from personally knowing that someone has walked in your shoes and has encountered the things that make you upset. Jesus has been there. Jesus knows. And there are days where you think, thank God somebody knows, because it feels like I'm all alone. In fact, I was supposed to be back in Crozet last Sunday evening. My plane had been scheduled to set down at 11.45 p.m. last Sunday. I didn't walk into my door until 12 p.m. Monday, because my flight had been delayed and delayed, and delayed, and delayed, and delayed, and then canceled. So as I was sitting in the Cincinnati airport that's in Kentucky, and I'm watching my app delay me, you know, by 15 minutes, 20 minutes, another 20 minutes, and then finally go, canceled, all in red, started to have a little bit of anxiety, a little anger, 
little righteous anger. I didn't want to be in the airport anymore. I didn't want to be that far into the Midwest or wherever I was. I wasn't really sure where I was. I wanted to be home. And when you want to go home, you don't want to find out that there's delays. But I'm looking at the tarmac. The plane is on the tarmac. But there was no crew. Apparently, the crew that was to fly the plane on the tarmac had not been able to get out of Philadelphia due to weather. And even though I was in an airport, and I was pretty sure I was looking around at a lot of people that knew how to fly planes. Nobody to fly my plane. And so my app then told me to get in line at the gate and make sure that my arrangements were made. So as I was standing in line with a bunch of other slightly disgruntled people, it occurred to me that I could sit here and be angry. The guy, three people in front of me, he was angry. It occurred to me that I could just try to, you know, block it all out and be a walking automaton. Or I could do what all clergy should do. I could turn around and strike up a conversation with the two guys behind me. So I did. I turned around, and they looked like tigers. Apparently, they were Bengals fans. <laughs> and they were having a worse day than I was. <laughs> so as I'm looking at them, and I was quite impressed with their attire. I happen to like animal skin. I don't know anything about Bengals other than these. And as I looked at them and I watched them, I realized, you know, we can make the best of this. So we started making some jokes. We started having a good time. We started introducing each other, figuring out where we were going and where we were from and you know, what we were going to do with ourselves. And in the end, built up a little camaraderie. A little bit of community happened in that line. And so I got myself situated and I kind of went off to the side to call my loved ones to let them know that I was not going to be home at midnight, that instead I would be home the next day, hopefully. And as I finished those conversations and I started to walk by one of the restaurants, those two Bengals fans leaned out of the restaurant and they went, oh, did you get your flight? No. Well, I mean, yes, but no. I mean, I have a flight, but it's not till 5 a.m. tomorrow. Oh, did you get a drink voucher? No. I'll be right back. So I went and got a voucher, and uh, I did what any good pastor should do. I went to Starbucks, and I bought a glitter confetti mug. I was feeling better already, feeling really good. And I filled it with water. And then I started toward the place where I would have to pick up an Uber, because now I had to Uber to the hotel that American Airlines had put me up on. And as I started out there, I started realizing that I was walking next to another gentleman who was supposed to be on the plane with me. And he started talking to me. He said, so you're stuck on the 5 AM also? I said, yeah, you know, 5 AM. I'm going to go kill 12 hours. And he said, um, well, how are you getting to the hotel? And I said, well, I was going to Uber to the hotel. And he said, well, I'm from Cincinnati. I have my car. Would you like me to drive you? And I was like, sure. Okay, great. So he did. He drove me over to the hotel, and we checked in. And he said, well, it says the shuttle doesn't, doesn't start running until 4.30. Do you want to meet down here at 4, and I'll drive you back? I'm like, absolutely. Sounds great. You just saved me $35. Perfect. Saved you all $35. 
and uh, went up to my room, and I called my mother, and she's like, is everything okay? And I said, yeah, you know, I'm in the hotel, you know, it's, it's great. And I said, and she's like, how did you get over there? Did you take the shuttle? I was like, no, this guy decided to give me a ride. And I could see the look on her face through the phone that I had taken a ride from a strange man that I did not know, which you can't tell my mother, that's the definition of Uber, <laughs> taking rides from people you don't know. But anyway, so I told her, I was like, no, 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 it was all good. You know, he was very polite and, you know, he you know, drove a nice car. I don't know. Uh, it was fine. I was like, you know, and he's going he's gonna to help me get back over to the airport tomorrow. Of course, my mom's like, be careful. Yes, mom, love you too. I'm 36. But the point was that even in the midst of struggle, when we could have all been upset, we decided to look at things differently. As Christians, we look at things differently. We spin them in a new way. Yeah, I wanted to be home. I didn't want to sleep in a hotel again. And I had only packed clothes for exactly four days. I didn't look forward to getting up and putting on a t-shirt that was a giveaway at a youth conference. I had already thrown out my hairspray. It was an awful night. I don't know about you, but if my hair ain't right, it ain't going to be a good day. And yet, in the midst of that, I had laughter, I had camaraderie. Things were okay because there were people that understood what it was like to be me. There were people that were in this with me. Christ is in this with us. Christ is here with us, not only when we worship, but when we're going through things. And so as I sat in that hotel room, in the same clothes that I had put on at 5 o'clock that morning. I looked up at the ceiling of my room and looked beyond the ceiling of my room, and I said, Jesus, I hope you're having a good laugh. I hope you can appreciate the struggles that I go through to do the right thing. And you know what? It was okay. Because Jesus knew what it was like to have plans Jesus knew what it was like to say, we're going to go to the other side of the lake and I'm going to rest. I'm going to take a rest. And then to get over there and then be confronted by somebody who was possessed and hurting and suffering. Jesus knew what it was like to try to spend some quality time with his disciples and to have the crowds press in and need him. Jesus knew what it was like to watch people struggle and hurt and to feel something for that. How often do we forget as we mourn death and the loss of our loved ones that Jesus went to his friend's home, encountered the two sisters, Martha and Mary, went to the tomb of Lazarus, and when he saw the people mourning, he wept. Shortest verse, most profound verse of the entire Bible, Jesus wept. He knows what it is like to be us. And that means everything when you feel frustrated and angry and alone and hurt, abandoned. When you feel slighted to know that Jesus understands. And so Jesus will forgive us when we say the wrong thing. Jesus will forgive us when we do something that was thoughtless and maybe even self-centered. Because Jesus knows the forces that are at work out here and in here. We are not alone. 
And not only has Jesus seen fit to come and be with us and promises to be with us wherever two or more are gathered in his name, but Jesus has seen fit to appear to us and speak to us through others who bear his name. That is what it means to be part of the church. That's why the church celebrates Advent. We are preparing each other for the coming of Jesus Christ. Not just the first time, but for the final time. We are gearing ourselves up to be transformed. You know, the saddest part about Advent for me, and I love Advent. I love anything about light and sparkle. I love Advent. But the hardest part for me is that at the end, at the triumphant celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, people will take their nativities and they will pack them away. And the next year, when they break them out again, Jesus hasn't aged, matured, or transformed their life. Because they've stuck him in a box, in a closet, in an attic, in a storage space. Advent is about being transformed. It is about saying to ourselves, this is the time for God to do something radical in me, to change me into something profound and beautiful so that I can bless other people. It's not about just adorning trees or our homes. It's about looking at things in new ways so that when you go about your life after today and it gets dark and the Christmas lights start to come on? What if we looked at every strand and saw every individual light as a life that Christ is touching and changing? What if we looked out as the world turns out its regular lights and turns on Christmas lights and saw this hope and this promise of a day when the only light in the entire world is the light of God? And it is endless, free, liberating, and full of love. Are we working toward that? Or are we just counting down the day until we open presents and eat some good food? Let this Advent be something more. Let it be everything that it should have always been. And you will discover in new ways that Christ not only came, but is here and will come again for us and for all those who are not yet here. May this be our prayer, our yearning, and our hope of Advent. May it be so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.